if you could bottle that feeling up, my word. For the first time in Premier League history, Manchester United scored twice in added time to come from behind to win. An unprecedented feat achieved by unexpected super sub Scott McTominay. United 2, Brentford 1. The slide stopped for now. A very warm welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. I'm Harry Robinson. Jack Tate is with me. Thank you for joining us. We'll be talking... McTominay, that Old Trafford reaction and atmosphere, whether this represents the spark for a season or a mere papering over the cracks. We'll talk Ten Hag's tactical and personnel changes. We'll speak about Lady Cathy Ferguson, uh, the Academy, United Women's Draw with Arsenal and plenty more. I was going to start with some kind of incisive big picture question, Jack, but I don't want to get caught up in all that immediately because really life and football is about appreciating moments like this. And and that was some moment, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. It really was. It's funny, I was, as most people I'm sure have been, was watching the, the David Beckham documentary recently and had just watched the episode where they go through yeah. the 1999 Champions League final and reliving that. I, I remember thinking as I was watching it, just this is so incredible. Like How rarely does this happen in any game to score two goals like that, to come from behind, to win, let alone in a game like that. And then... <laughs> You know, just a few hours later, United go and do the same thing in this game. We'll get on to well, it what you, it means. It was later. you and Scott McTominay watching the David well, yeah. documentary. And coming out, and then uh, my brother, who normally comes to every game, but I had to miss this one and sent the same quote from McTominay into like five different United group chats. And I was um, <laughs> I, like, I, I saw it, and all, all my mates who I was saw it, and you're just like, oh, wow, this is, it's just tugging at the heartstrings, isn't it? And, it's one of those things we often talk about how romance is slowly draining out of football and it's one of the things that reminds you of where it still exists yeah and I haven't watched the documentary yet I'm I'm very excited to do so I worried that it would be kind of a too uh, a bit PR-y but everyone says it's brilliant and the only reason I haven't is because I've moved into a new flat and I have no TV or Wi-Fi so it'd be a struggle to watch it yet but I'm really looking forward to doing it when uh, when I can but yeah that feeling post-match I I was in uh, I wasn't in the Red Army section this time I was in J-Stunt where I am kind of every few games every five or six games in my season ticket which is a weird season ticket it moves around anyway and so many people had left around me by the end including a grandson who was at his first game with his granddad and they oh, left no. at 89 and there was another guy next to me most people had left but there were two kind of like fairly senior lads in great shape but one of them had kind of keeled over in the first half so it was quite a significant worry I don't really know what happened to him but a second after he did he was then fine he was like I'm fine just had a bit of water and carried on and I could when the second goal went in I was saying to my mates after that um, I kind of I was celebrating I went mad for a bit and then I looked to my left thinking is this man going to be alright <laughs> he's just keeled over <laughs> the first half and then seeing United score two to win the game in added time and he was he was kind of he was obviously staying quite reserved so as not to cause any more medical issues but just kind of standing there with this huge grin on his face kind of shaking his body going yes and it was just <laughs> that feeling just is uh, like uh, th- the noise and, and looking around and 
I've often said from my seat above the tunnel in like in the Stretford end on, on the right side, it's great when you're right on the edge because you can look across and see the whole Stretford end. And to be honest, the view from Jay stand is probably even better where you look to your left and you see the whole of East stand going mental lower tier and upper tier and then across from then you see the away fans obviously pure dejection you look to your right and you've got the huge the biggest stand the biggest club football stand in the country everyone going nuts and then you've got the Stretford in front of you and that kind of iconic vista and it was just ah football so good and anyway I left Jason ran across the Four court because I was desperate to get to the pub and have that first sip of uh, <laughs> celebratory pint. And those days are so good. And like we've waited a while. I was sat in the shadow of Old Trafford in in the like the outdoor bit of the Bishop's plays, thinking like finally, like the sun's out. United have won. Oh, the season has been waiting for a moment like that. Such a depressing start to the season for such an incredible variety and range of reasons on the pitch and off the pitch for so many different things. And a, a moment like that has been a long time coming. And yeah, I I and my mates made the, the very most of it. It's the kind of thing that genuinely like sustains you as a fan mm. to some degree. Like yeah. United could go on and look and our form could make, could remain as it has been and we'd all obviously be upset but it's the kind of thing that sort of it keeps you going as a fan it keeps you roped in it keeps you feeling invested in spending so much time and money and effort following this team because it's moments like that that we all want to experience that is the kind of thing that made us fall in love with football in the first place and it's the kind of thing that keeps yeah. us coming back every single week it just is it's the best feeling in the world I'd like there is nothing yeah there's, there's nothing like it and especially being in the stadium, like yeah. feeling that kind of joy and like visceral joy around so many other people. I mean, like you, I'm sure you, you get so philosophical about what it says about human nature and our desire to have these like big shared experiences and be part of a group. But it is, it's a feeling like no other. You just lose the run of yourself. Like <laughs> so many people have left around me that, well, like I, it's not like the stand was empty. I just mean directly next to me, kind of two or three different groups of people have left, like the grandson and his granddad and then a couple of uh, other people. So it, all I mean is I had a bit of space around me, which meant when the window went in, I had plenty of space to just kind of go gooning about, jumping all over the place. And you do, you just lose your own yourself. And I think you do, yeah, to be philosophical, you need moments like that in, in life. That's like, you need to have that joy sometimes. And yeah, it's brilliant. I it's, I also found interesting, I don't think I've noticed this before, but when I was standing in the pub after, I think about 20 minutes after full time, maybe 25, I suddenly kind of felt like the adrenaline run out. There was no more of it left. And my body just went, whoa, like that was a lot. <laughs> and it is a lot because yeah, it's just absolutely the best feeling. Um, and it's it, it's always like made even more satisfying when you see a team time waste a fair bit, then you see them like, celebrate winning a goal kick in added time then their fans start seeing you're getting sacked in the morning and then you put two past them to win it and leave them going home with nothing it's like yeah it's it's perfection there was another the other good one of uh, I think it was Christopher Iyer like massively celebrating Bright Brentford winning a goal yeah, kick yeah. a couple of minutes before the end yeah. too it, yeah it is it's so satisfying when, when when you've seen a team kind of pull out not that Brentford were doing anything like massively untoward. It wasn't terrible, no, but it, yeah. It's just really satisfying when you see a team like try and do everything they can to to string out a game and stop you from building momentum to then kind of put the dagger in like that. It's so satisfying. Yeah. I was also in the pub after, and I think a lot of people made this same remark, but uh, a Dutch 
mate of mine, United season ticket holder. I think I might have mentioned him on it before. Uh, he was on the podcast that did the United podcast that did in Moldova. His, he comes over for nearly, I mean, pretty much every home game. Wow. He lives just north of Amsterdam. It, remarkable lengths. It's I, kind of unbelievable every time. And every time we see him on a match day, he goes, oh, like, when did he get here? And he goes, oh, this morning. When are you going back oh, tonight? And you're like, what? Uh, luckily this time he wasn't going back on Saturday evening so he could come out. Um, he was going back Sunday morning. But anyway, he... He said at one point, quite soon after we met up, and that's the other like lovely moments is when you keep seeing you kind of your various different mates arrive and you have the same kind of just excited reaction with all of them where you're like, oh yeah, get in. And you kind of have that celebration all over again. But he said, he was like, oh, Lady Kathy, Fergie time. And I feel I saw it on Twitter a lot after as well. And I, I just love the fact that it's like the impact of like one person in this case, Sir Alex and a football club to have this like random guy from just north of Amsterdam referencing <laughs> Kathy Ferguson in 2023, 10 years after her husband left the club. It's, I don't know, just like the impact of, of these people who ha- have on our lives through football is extraordinary. Uh, it was very sad news, the death of Lady Kathy Ferguson. Um, I just uh, was on Twitter and saw Ashley Young's tweet showing that he was wearing a black armband for while he was playing for Everton, which was a really nice gesture. And I think the reactions from past players show like the such the sheer amount of respect like so many people had for Kathy Ferguson. And I liked the quote in the United the statement United released saying she was a tower of strength for Sir Alex and everything we see about. Um, so Alex's career I mean, like, means we know that's true. Uh, plenty of documentaries about his time at United and, and the role that Kathy played in, in all of that. Yeah, incredibly sad news. And I, I, think, I think especially having watched the Beckham documentary as well, reminded of what we've said in the past about how the thing that always felt slightly different about Man United to other clubs of the same stature is this more sort of family feel that it has to it. And I think Kathy Ferguson yeah. was a huge part of that, you know, Sir Alex would not have been the manager that he was. His career wouldn't have been as long as it was without Kathy Ferguson's involvement. And it was an incredibly sad day to, to hear of her passing and in some ways couldn't think of a more fitting way for a game to pan out than this one yeah. to almost honour the memory of, of Kathy Ferguson, but also what she did in sort of facilitating Sir Alex to be the manager that yeah. he was for the club. And just to cheer up the Ferguson family, you can imagine. It's, it'll be a horrible time for like the, you know, when like the matriarch of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Dies, it's such a hard thing. So yeah, hopefully just put a smile on their faces. I was, um, saw, saw an extract from one of Sir Alex's biographies talking about how she convinced him to stay. I don't think he needed that much convincing in 2001, but then I was talking yesterday with mate saying like, if it wasn't for Kathy Ferguson, I would have grown up with like Sven Goran Eriksson as Man United manager. I would never have seen the things that I did see. Yeah. Yeah. Little things have these huge, again, have these huge impacts on like random people like me's lives. Absolutely crucial figure in United history. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, finally time for the big picture debate, I think. You've been gone for a couple of weeks, conveniently missing a very dreary and disheartening fortnight of being a United fan. But a month or so ago, after United were beaten at Arsenal, you said that uh, you hoped at the time before it was disallowed that Garnacho's goal might prove to be this season's moment like Liverpool, like beating Liverpool 3-2 at Old Trafford last year. Uh, the kind of spark that sets the season alight. It was disallowed, so it wasn't that moment. Was this it instead? Psychologically, possibly. I don't think I saw mm. enough from the Brentford game tactically and in terms of the execution of the way that we played to convince me that it is but you know it, it could it could be a catalyst for improving the way that we're approaching these games the way that we are playing it the, the, I think the, the thing that still worries me obviously injuries are a huge concern and that is a huge sort of mitigating factor in everything that we've seen from United this season but the thing is I could I, I would feel comfortable sort of blaming most of this on that if we were if every game was like 3-2, 4-3, you know, 2-2 draw, like if we were still scoring at a good rate and we were just conceding at, at the same rate, but with the exception of the two Champions League games, it, that hasn't been the yeah. case really. We've been shipping goals that we've been struggling at the other end of the pitch and that I think is the the bigger concern to me. It's not, obviously they, they aren't completely separate. Someone like Luke Shaw in, in particular, you know, really impacts the way that we can play going forward, but it just still looks so disjointed and so difficult for us to have any sort of structure when we go forward. And I think that is still the thing that I would worry about moving forward. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm far from convinced this is a, a turning point. It was a really poor performance. And like you think about the difference with, I think the reason you said it after the Arsenal game was because we saw things we wanted to see away at a big team. United had elements of control on that game and that felt really positive. Yeah. In the same way that Liverpool in August 2022 was a full 90 minutes that kind of showed that ideal balance we were looking for of desire and quality and hints at a new style of play. I think we did see that Arsenal, but without the, the end result. But this was like United, the void of ideas. Players who care, but don't seem to know how to apply themselves most effectively. And we won through a moment of fortune with a loose ball, a good touch and a finish for the equaliser. And then a, a big long ball up to Harry Maguire headed home by McTominay. Um, hopefully, psychologically, this is the the moment that takes the weight off, restores some confidence, reminds the players what they're playing for to replicate that noise at Old Trafford every week. And, and for the manager to be able to... <laughs> Take, uh, take that tension off so that he can spend the next couple of weeks retuning his ideas and working out who he can rely upon in the squad, how to break teams down better. I think that probably will end up being the biggest thing is that it it just lowers the tension, but the whole club seemed embroiled in this huge sort of quagmire in some ways of mm. 
you know, we know what it's like when things start to go badly at Man United. It is a downward spiral that is very, very difficult to get out of. And I think that is probably the number one thing that we've got to hope for coming out of this is that even if it doesn't fix the bigger underlying issues, at the very least, I think it will probably free everyone up at the club, right away from from the players to the manager to every member of staff at the club and hopefully allow us to look at things maybe with a pair of fresh eyes, feeling a a little bit less desperate to fix things, take a more sort of considered view of what needs to change and how we can improve things in the next few weeks and also just give the players you know, a bit of a boost yes. coming back. Like you said, I don't, none of the performances this season have been ones where I would say the players haven't cared or aren't putting yeah. an effort in, aren't putting the required effort in. It's not been that at all. So I don't think that this will suddenly make them come back and, you know, want to train harder or play with more intensity or anything like that. But I think it, again, it, it will reduce the pressure and take some weight off their shoulders, which might enable us to come back feeling a little bit more free to go out there and, and execute in the way that Ten Hag wants. It's interesting you say that though, because I agree. I don't think I've watched any game this season and thought the players really haven't been bothered here. I think there's been moments and there's, there's been, and still are massive questions over their mentality and how they respond to conceding and scoring, just complacency. But I don't think, I don't think that's effort. I think that's just misguided effort. Um, but Ten Hag doesn't agree. He specifically said that his players haven't been determined enough this season. And it's it, that's quite rare for the manager to say that, but for well, I think many fans do think that, but I, I haven't this season. And many fans do think the opposite. Well, but do you, do you think he means that in terms of the, the effort that they're putting in or sort of mentally like the resilience? Because like we've... I, I, when I heard that, I thought he was more talking about, you know, the amount of goals we've conceded right after scoring or after a restart of the game. Yeah. I, I, do you think that he is referring more directly to just the effort levels haven't been good enough? Yeah, I think it's just high standards. Yeah. And obviously United player can do more. So I think the difference is it's not kind of like a blatant lack of effort, but they obviously can do more. And he clearly thinks that. In terms of Ten Hag, weird day for him. He looked very relieved at the end and he deserves a bit of a break. There's been a lot of bad luck. I've, I've, I've forgotten that we had a, another goal disallowed. I think that's the sixth one this season, maybe. There's been a really tight VR call. Maybe, yeah, I was running through them and then I've just remembered the uh, the Johnny Evans one at Burnley as well. Um, so yeah, a whole load of very tight marginal calls uh, that, that I've seen goals disallowed. So he needed a break, but... He went back to a, a kind of more traditional back four here. No midfielders in defence. And I thought that was a good idea after Amrabat had some difficulties there and it put Amrabat in his best position. I thought he was okay. I thought Mount was good again. But interestingly, it then forced our best attacker, Bruno Fernandes, to not be in his best position, which I think is always something we're very wary of. And I think Bruno had less impact than he would have done had he been in, in, in the centre. So there's so much for Ten Hag to think about, isn't it? Because Rashford's been subbed off in three games in a row now. Uh, this was the earliest he's come off a 62nd minute. Casemiro came off at half time. He looks well off it. He really needs to step up. Um, he gave us six very good months, but he really needs to sort himself out. Uh, Maguire was excellent. But like, there's, there are so many questions for Ten Hag to think about over this two weeks. Yeah, I, I say the same as you. I appreciated that he did go back to a more conventional back four I expected Dallow to start a left back and Lindelof on the right. So I was a bit surprised that that happened, but yeah. in the end, I think was was fine. 
I and he's got to try something different. Clearly, the Am- Amrabat at left back wasn't working when teams had enough going forward to cause us real issues. I, th- I think Ten Hag, I, I don't see him making massive, massive changes. And it's hard to sometimes pass out, you know, let's take Rashford as a sort of the prime example of a player not clearly not playing at his best. Is that just Rashford himself not being in good form for whatever reason? Or is it because of issues more widely in the teams of stopping him from ha- from having the ability to well, play got, at his best? He's like, got no left back going for, around him. Or it's, exactly. It's infuriating exactly. watching. Um, you just think someone please make that overlapping run. Just give him space. He's having to face up against three players and he got through once, I think once only against Brentford and then had one decent long shot go wide. But that's it. And I, I don't expect him to, and it, even and Rashford at his very best would struggle like that. And he obviously isn't at his very best. He's far from it. And a better team would be able to take advantage of that because if a player is, you know, expand, expending so many resources to trying to stop Rashford, there will be space elsewhere on the pitch. But United, for whatever reason at the moment, seemingly aren't able to take advantage of that, whether it's because we just aren't making the, the right runs to midfield, whatever it is, I, I, I don't completely know. But Rashford is being stifled at the minute and that is okay. Teams will try and take away your best player and that's a, in some ways a compliment to Rashford and I back him to still be a big threat and score goals as the season wears on. But Man United have to figure out a way to exploit the fact that teams are going to start doubling and even tripling up on Rashford at times. And if if that means even if we have an unconventional left back telling them to get forward and overlap and either drag one of those players away or create space yourself. How many times have we seen Rashford play that brilliant pass to Luke Shaw when he's got two players in front of him, play inside the fullback to Shaw making that overlapping run? Or, you know, bring Mason Mount and get him closer to Rashford to be able to play good one-twos in there. You know, because it, it, yeah. the thing is, Rashford being so bottled up like that isn't just limiting himself, but it's also limiting how much he can do for Hoyland as well. Yeah. And that, I think, is something that I really want to see improve after the international break because Hoyland is showing everything that you would want from a young striker coming in. You yeah. know, he's clearly, there's still things to improve, but the potential and the ability is absolutely there as is, you know, his, his work ethic is incredible and you really want to see him and Rashford start to develop that partnership. But if Rashford is going to be taken away to the extent that he has been by teams, like I said, doubling or tripling up on him, we have to figure out how to take advantage of the space that that will leave somewhere else. Yeah. I'm pleased that this is an international break. I think United could have had this win and if we had a midweek game five minutes in if one thing had gone wrong the pressure would have been back on immediately especially at home so I'm very relieved that this kind of an internet this this means two weeks of hopefully relative peace but that's unlikely because every time we thought that might happen some other kind of scandal or bad news story has come out um, and, and shaken taking United off the tracks but hopefully Hopefully. You obviously haven't been on the podcast for a couple of weeks. When was the last game you would have come on after Brighton? I right? think so. Yeah. So what have you, yeah. going more, going even bigger picture, <laughs> what have you thought of the last kind of fortnight watching from afar? Well, I try not to think about it too much. Otherwise it's going to ruin my holiday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the, I think the, the thing that I just keep coming back to, I mean, I, I watched all the games while I was gone in, in various sort of bits and pieces. I, I watched a couple of them properly I watched a couple sort of glancing on my phone at various points I think the biggest thing this is something that I noticed in the Brentford game too it's just we just aren't keeping the ball well enough in midfield at all I mean the first 10 minutes against Brentford yesterday we we, we couldn't string five passes together and that partially is yeah. is Casemiro 
but we know that he is that kind of player, even though he plays in, in midfield, he is quite high variance in terms of the, the passes he's going to play. I think Martinez being out is really, really hurting us in that regard because yeah. we just don't, we don't have, you know, Onana for as great as he is with the ball at his feet, although the shot stopping obviously hasn't been, been good recently. Yeah, we'll come on to that. It's yeah. just, he hasn't been able to take advantage of it because the the players he's, who are receiving the passes from him aren't good enough at the moment to actually make anything from it. So he's having to go long most of the time. It just feels very disjointed for me with United. The, the defensive issues... I understand because of the players that are missing. But to be honest, I think the defensive issues stem from midfield more than they stem from the actual defence. Yeah. And I wonder if that's what Tenag means in terms of determination in that just the sloppiness in, in passing kind of indicates. Yeah, possibly. Just just being a touch off it. And I think also in, in the failure to track runners as well, which has obviously always been an issue for United. Uh, for several seasons but over these last few weeks has been a real problem when the thing is tracking runners becomes much more difficult when you have to track them immediately after giving the ball away tracking runners is easy when you're in a set defensive shape and someone just makes a run it's quite difficult when you've just given the ball away and you're in a setup designed to go forward and then immediately have to go through a defensive transition The, the other thing that really really stands out to me about this United team and this might just be a function of the players that we have rather than anything tactically that we can change. We give the any anytime a player is receiving a pass under pressure, it seems like we're losing those duels or or there's a bad touch that gives the ball away. I mean, and, and this is something that seems to affect every single player on the pitch at, at different times for United. But you know, it shouldn't be that you can't pass the ball to someone if they're under pressure. And yeah, it seems like every time yeah. you know, that happens to a United player, either the defender gets a foot in and the ball is lost or if our player does manage to get a touch on it, it's a poor touch and they give the ball away. You know, it just, the way the way that you, I'm a big believer that the way that you hurt teams is that you take, you have to take players out of the game, either in your running or your passing. And the way that you do that is that you have to play these riskier passes to players under pressure, draw the defenders in and then get past them. And it, it seems like we can't even really play the first part of that riskier pass because we're just losing the ball every time it goes into someone under pressure. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about Anana and more about McTominay in the Patreon Q&A, which is coming up in just a second. Anything else other than Anana chat on the Brentford game before we have guessed the player clue one? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I've got to say, that was fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm still buzzing. Yeah. Um, I woke up this morning, had, had work to do on Sunday and feeling fairly hungover but after about five minutes kind of reorientated myself with the world just still still buzzing and it's ridiculous and just beating Brentford at home but yeah you've got to got to make the most of them I, I, it baffles me when I see people on Twitter who are like how are you celebrating including United fans who are like how are you celebrating beating Brentford at home it's like do you like <laughs> what do you not get about the sport Um. anyway uh, guess the player, clue one. I'm sitting for you this week, reminder, or if you're new to this podcast, guess the player, three clues throughout the episode. The quicker you get it, the more points you get. We haven't actually kept a tally of the points, so I'm going to go back at some point over the international break and, <laughs> and get a tally so we can see who's winning so far this season. But your first clue, Jack, is I once scored twice in the final 10 minutes of a game to give United a 2-1 home win. I once scored twice in the final 10 minutes of a game to give United a 2-1 home win. Any thoughts? Okay. Well, um, 
I'm guessing it's not Scott McTominay is all, is all I'm going to well, say. I don't think you would make it quite that obvious. a double bluff, but I feel like you're probably not ready for a, for a guess right now. That's just fair <laughs> enough. No, I don't think so. Okay, let's go into our Patreon Q&A where we're going to talk about McTominay and Andre Onana. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, we're coming out of a good picture Q&A. We're just talking at the end there about which outfielder we would choose to go in golf United if the situation so arose after Olivier Giroud played in net for AC Milan. I made an amazing save near the end. Well, not an amazing save, just a brave kind of dive at a striker's feet to, amazingly, to win Milan the game, basically, or keep them winning the game. And then uh, they went top of the league. It's, that's one way to get hero status at a club. Uh, let's have a youth and long roundup. United's under-18s continued their 100% starts this season with a seventh win from seven, coming from one goal behind with three goals after the 70th minute mark. The scorers, Ethan Wheatley, Captain Finley McAllister and Malachi Sharp. United weren't up to the standards they've set so far this season in the first half, but changes on the hour mark with Sharp, Wheatley, Habib Gonye and Jack Fletcher, who was making his United debut. Those changes made the desired impact. Wheatley's equalising goal was a penalty. McAllister's a well-guided low curler into the bottom right corner. And Malachi Sharps was a, a wonderful team move. Tom Miles, the goalkeeper, provided a fantastic save to keep it at 2-1. Shea Lacey then picks up the ball, played a perfect long through ball to Sharp, and he finished clinically one-on-one. Um, that makes it a really brilliant start to the season. Six league wins, one win in the under-18 Premier League club. They're, the wins have been... a bit of variety as well. This is the third game, I think, where United have really had to fight late on to win. Uh, there's been two last minute winners before this against Sunderland and one other, uh, 3-2 and 2-1. Uh, McAllister's already scored an injury time winner and then scored again here today as captain. So, uh, And then there's also been kind of a 5-1 win over Newcastle, 10-1 at Stoke and, and all sorts. So, uh, yeah, great starts this season. Plenty of players off on international duty now, including Harry Amas, Shay Lacey, Jace Fitzgerald for England under 17s, Eli Harrison, the goalkeeper, and Finley McAllister for England under 18s, Maxi Oedelis with Poland under 21s, and Dan Gore and Amari Forson with England under 20s 
under 20s, sorry, uh, on the subject of Amari Forson. He's been shortlisted for Premier League 2 Player of the Month for September and Eric Ten Hag continues to show a keenness in being involved with Amari Forster's development. He made him available for the UEFA Youth League game last week against Galatasaray with a kind of a recommendation to the academy that he should start. And Travis Binion confirmed after the game that Shay Lacey had been set to start that game, but Forson did so instead. In the end, both of them played well. Lacey coming off the bench and United beat Galatasaray 3-0. A really good second half performance in that one. Uh, in graduate news, Scott McTominay scored twice, uh, but you knew that one already. James Garner scored for Everton, which is good to see. Brandon Williams scored an amazing goal for uh, Ipswich Town on loan there, driving forward through half the pitch and finishing clinically. Will Fish continues to start for Hibs and he's doing well. And Charlie McNeil remains more of a bench option for Stevenage. Now, Jack, guess the player. Have you had any further thoughts on the first clue, which to remind you was I once scored twice in the final 10 minutes to give United a 2-1 home no. win? I got too distracted thinking about who would go in goal for United if in an emergency situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, your second clue. I made 205 appearances for Gillingham, but I made more than that for Man United. I made 205 appearances for Gillingham, but I made more than that, 309 appearances for Manchester Jeez. United. I think I've, I've, I think I probably better let that one. Uh, well, the the, the only thing that makes until me we get to the third clue that is making me think is that it might be relatively old. I just can't imagine anyone recent playing that many games for both Gillingham and Man United. Uh, he played for Gillingham between well the first team between 1979 and 1984 I'm giving you a bonus okay. a bonus clue there okay. right. oh, let, let's right. let that fester while we talk about Manchester United women who followed up a last minute opening day victory at Aston Villa with a reverse of fortunes unfortunately against Arsenal at home conceded a 93rd minute equaliser to draw 2-2 with Arsenal yeah did you manage to see the highlights of this game Jack it was on Friday night good attendance at Lee Sports Village I did yeah I thought the quote from Mark Skinner at the end was probably the right thing the right way to think about it he said we've come a long way if Arsenal are celebrating like that at the end it means a lot to get a point at United now and that's true United very good at home it's a, a tricky one to kind of decide because United and Arsenal both played well. Alessio Russo forced some really good saves from area ups and hit the bar once as well. Uh, United's first goal through Leah Goldson was kind of capitalising on an error by the Arsenal goalkeeper. 27 minutes in, that was to equalise. And then a summer signing from Leon Melvin Mallard put United ahead just five minutes after coming on and assisted by another summer signing as well. An amazing goal for Arsenal to equalise late on. Chloe Lacasse with a, a screamer. Uh, screamer more of a curl like a brilliant curler not quite a screamer I'd say but City and Chelsea also drew 1-1 on Sunday meaning that at the top of the WSL it's City then United then Chelsea all joint on four points separated by goal difference and goals scored but yeah what exciting game it's, I, I find it really hard to know what to make of it because it's kind of disappointing not to it's so hard to win the WSL you have to win such a high proportion of your games because there's only 12 teams in it that even two points dropped against a, against Arsenal, particularly with Arsenal in bad form, it does feel like a an opportunity missed, really. Yeah, I mean, the WSL, the standards at the top are so, so tough because those top sort of four teams are generally so much stronger than the rest of the league. The, the margin for error is so tiny. You know, you lose a couple of games throughout the season and that could be the difference. I mean, United found that to our own detriment last season 
you know, getting a point at Arsenal is a, a good, re- or sorry, with Arsenal against Arsenal is a good result. And as I think Mark Skinner said, it does show how far United have come. But at the same time, there will be that that massive tinge of regret when looking back on that game because a win against Arsenal to maintain a 100% record would have been massive, especially to get one over a direct rival. The good news is that Man City and Chelsea drew against each other as well. So it didn't do too much damage for United in that sense. But as I said, the margins are just so, so tight in the WSL and you really have to be perfect against everyone outside of that top four and then hope that the results within that top four can go your way enough to keep you in the hunt for the the title race. Yeah. Attention now turns to the first ever United Women Champions League fixture. PSG, the opponents, 8pm kickoff at Lee Sports Village in midweek. It's the final qualifying round before the group stages. It will certainly be tough. It's not the harshest draw United could have got, but it it will be difficult. Uh, But hopefully there'll be a big crowd at Lee on Tuesday night and should be pretty special atmosphere and is a, a just reward for the hard work of many people involved with, with the women's team over the last few years. So that will be pretty exciting. And yeah, I think if United men had lost at the weekend, I'd probably want nothing to do with the club for, for about two weeks over the international break. But after that buzz, I can I can get excited about this game as well. It's, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. A big, I mean, massive occasion for the women's team. And you know, United women are kind of just ticking off milestone after milestone ever since they've come back. It's been a really, really fun story to follow just how quickly United have become such a great force. But I think now is really when the hard work will start because it's it's easy enough with a good amount of resources to to get to this point. Not easy. It was obviously difficult. But I think the next step yeah. will be even harder to get United to a point where they, they can really start to challenge the likes of City and Chelsea and then in the Champions League, the likes of Lyon and Barcelona, Wolfsburg, you know, that is really the next step for this United team. And that might take a few years. You know, we... Yeah, I think United summer, are a long way off from the quality of yeah, Barcelona and Lyon. Yeah, I mean, you know, the fact that we lost players like Ona Batier and Alessia Russo kind of speaks to that, that United in the women's game don't have the same kind of pull. And if other big clubs want to, are interested in signing players, you know, United have a ways to go to be able to hold on to their stars. And I think that will be the real challenge is building a, a team that can compete on that level. And I think that will take quite a few years. Yep. Okay. Guess the player, clue three. Any? I think, I think I've got it. I ideas. think I've got it. Okay. I'll give clue three and then I'm just going to trust <laughs> your honesty and you can tell me. I captained Manchester United to their first league title in 26 years. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure I would have got this without... Uh, watching the the documentary that I've, which I've mentioned so many times in the episode, because a big a big part of the the first episode was United winning that first Premier League title. So I think it's Steve Bruce. Yeah, absolutely. Two hundred five appearances for Gillingham, twenty nine goals from centre back, three hundred nine appearances for United, thirty six goals, including those two against Sheffield Wednesday at home in nineteen ninety three. Yeah, great player. Did he come through Gillingham's academy? I didn't I? I once I'd read, once I'd sort of pieced together the comeback and how many times he played for United in the era, I sort of realised it would be Steve Bruce. But I, I didn't know that he'd played for Gillingham that long. Yeah, and he played. Uh, can't remember exactly how many, but well over 100 appearances for Norwich as well. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he went Gillingham. He was he was rejected by a load of professional like top clubs in the northeast. He was like he's born in Northumberland, and then got a trial at Gillingham. Was in their like youth team for two years. And then six, uh, six, five years at Gillingham, 
three at Norwich and then joined United until 96. But I was, uh, I was trying to think of something topical and I was trying to think who else has scored two goals themselves in the final 10 minutes of a game to win United a game. Uh, if, if other people can think of others, I'd love to hear them. It would be, I'm, I'm sure there are other people as well, but uh, the one that sprung to mind was Steve Bruce. So two points, which I will note down and we'll finally get a tally going. <laughs> but that's all we have time for on the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. For more from Jack throughout the week, you can find him on Twitter at at UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. And finally, a shout out to uh, Murray in Canada who might be listening because your mates were missing you when basking in the glow of that victory on Saturday around Old Trafford. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for your support, patrons. Especially if you've enjoyed the show, share it on Twitter or leave a review or share it in a WhatsApp group or whatever. Thank you very much for listening and have a great week. We'll be back in the international break with a patron mailbag. So if you want to be one of the patrons to ask a question in that, then go sign up to our patron details on our Twitter. But other than that, have a great week. Goodbye. Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.